Welcome to the Old Time Radio Superman Show. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, adam at adamsweb.us, and be sure and rate the show on iTunes. Also, uh, be sure and pick up a copy of my latest superhero comedy novel, Spade Trap, available as a paperback, a Kindle book, or as an audiobook through audible.com or the iTunes store. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Superman, the original air date, May the 12th, 1948, and this is the Ghost Brigade, Part 7. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, pursues a seemingly futile investigation of the mysterious pieces of wax he hopes will enable him to track down the Ghost Brigade as the editor of the Daily Blade receives fresh ammunition for his paper's vicious attack on Mayor Perry White. It was just one of those lucky breaks, boss. I passed the tailor shop just after it blew up, and when I walked in, I saw the old codger who owned it lying on the floor, hurt pretty bad. But he kept moaning about protection and gangsters and a bomb. Oh, somebody trying to stir up the old protection racket again, huh? Yeah, but do you get the angle, boss? Perry White's been screaming that he cleaned up the city, that he broke up all the rackets. Of course, it's perfect. <laughs> White's over a barrel now. This'll roll that barrel right out of City Hall. So he said, so she said, so they said, so we said. Yada day, yada day, yada. Some people keep talking, they never stop talking. People like that should be shot. The things that they say never come to an end. They don't stop for breath or for thought. They'll repeat just like records again and again the tidbits of gossip they've caught. They never will think, is it true what I say? Is it something I ought to repeat? Instead, they'll just giggle and whisper to you, have you heard Johnny Jones is a cheat? Well, these jerks pick up everything nasty they hear. They never say somebody's swell. But brother, if once you do something wrong, you can bang on it. These guys will tell. They came up with some of the strangest remarks. They must have the brains of a pigeon. You should hear the ridiculous things that they say about other folks' race or religion. We know that the way that we worship our God doesn't make any difference down deep. That a regular Joe is a regular Joe. And a creep, well, he's still just a creep. But facts never stop dopes from babbling on. The truth might not have as much zip. They'd much rather sell you some nice juicy lies. Stay away from this bunch. Take our tip. Well, you can be sure as can possibly be that your name is somewhere on their list, that they have gossip to tell about you. There's no chance you're going to be missed. So never be sucker enough to believe the gossip of yattity yattities. They never know anything you'll want to hear, and nothing they say really matters. And now, the adventures of... Superman! <laughs>
Yesterday, after a disastrous press conference where reporters from all metropolis newspapers hooted down his defense against the Daily Blade's editorial attack and laughed at his story of the mysterious ghost brigade, Mayor Perry White became fully aware of the danger he and his administration faced when he learned that the city council had declared a special election in the near future to elect a new mayor. On the other hand, Metropolis had suddenly become the scene of a strange series of disasters. And at each successive calamity, a weird ghost-like visitor out of the past appeared. Captain Kidd, Nero, Jesse James, and Geronimo, infamous members of the Ghost Brigade. In his guise of Clark Kent, mild-mannered newspaper reporter, Superman immediately plunged into the task of tracking down the Ghost Brigade. His only clue, the strange pieces of wax found at the scene of each disaster, seeming to lead nowhere. But Lois Lane and young Jimmy Olsen seem to have discovered where they lead, to a dingy two-story frame building, housing the Wax Museum at the Metropolis Amusement Park, where we join them now. The beam of their flashlight casting weird shadows around the wax statues, posed in amazingly lifelike attitudes. Finally, they reach one room containing replicas of infamous men and women of history. Now, let's see, Jim. Clark said he found pieces of wax wherever anything happened. And these figures are made of wax. I'm... Oh, golly. What is it, Jim? Hold your flashlight higher, Miss Lane. Pointed at the top of the Indian's head. Right there, see? Good heavens. One of the feathers is broken. Yeah, a red feather. The tip is gone. And Mr. Kent found the tip of a feather out on the road where that truck was hijacked by Indians. Let's check the others. Miss Lane, I think we'd better get out of here. Nonsense. There's nothing to be scared of. Wax statues can't come to life, you know. I wish... I wish I was as sure of that as you are. Here, silly, feel the statue. Go on, touch it. Go on, Jim, it won't bite you. All right, all right, stop pushing me. Well, there. Now, how can you possibly believe a cold, hard lump of wax can move or, or come to life? I, I don't believe it, Miss Lane, but, but I don't know what else to believe either. Come on, let's look around, Jim. Maybe we'll turn something... Hey, up. don't go away with that light. Oh, Jimmy, you're being absolutely childish. The statues won't hurt you, and there's nobody else in the building. Well, I'm not taking any chances. But as Lois and Jimmy slowly make their way through the dank, dismal rooms, two shadowy figures step out of the concealment of a doorway and stand near one of the wax statues, watching them. What do you think, Peggy? I don't know. I've seen that dame someplace before. What are they doing here? Checking up, didn't you hear them? We better do something about it, huh? Lane. Lane. Lois Lane. Well, she's a reporter on Perry White's Rag the Planet. I remember her all right. She and that guy Kent did a lot to send the boss up the river. Uh-oh. Maybe she's wise. She couldn't be. But remind me to tell the boss. He may want to do something about it. And meanwhile, downtown in Perry White's office at City Hall, Bart Kent is reporting what occurred at the wrecked tailor shop, destroyed by a gangster's bomb. It was pathetic, Chief. Poor old man had apparently refused to pay those thugs protection money, so they tossed a bomb into his shop. Mm, same old racket, eh? Yes, but that isn't the worst of it. By some freak of bad luck, a reporter from the Daily Blade happened to be passing by. He heard the old man muttering about it in his delirium, and... Well, you can guess the rest. Sure, sure. It'll be spread all over the next edition of the Blade. Right. I can see the headlines now. Crime rampant in Metropolis as Mayor White claims rackets are broken. Wait till Councilman Hammer gets hold of it. It's going to be a perfect springboard for his investigation. Well, there's nothing I can do about it now. Just hope and pray that Inspector Henderson and the police uncover something. Or maybe Lois and Jimmy are on the right track. Lois and Jimmy? Yes, they've gone to the amusement park. The amusement park? Uh -huh. It hasn't opened yet. I know, but Lois has an idea that that's where those pieces of wax came from. But what in... The wax museum at the amusement park, of course! 
See you later, Chief. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, where are you going? Find Lois and Jim before they get into trouble. How long are we going to hang around in here, Miss Lane? This joint has given me the creeps. I'm looking for clues, Jim. What clues? Well, I don't know. Anything. Hey, what's that? Oh, Jimmy, stop imagining things. I tell you, I heard something. Oh, Oh, my gosh. Where are you? Why, why, that's Clark's voice. Mr. Kent? Oh, boy, what a relief. Now, why did he have to come here? Jim! Oh. Lois, answer me. Where are you? Over here, Mr. Kent. Where? Oh, thank goodness. You all right? Of course we're all right. What are you doing here anyway? Well, the chief told me you came up here, and I was worried. That I'd beat you out of a story? Well, no. No, nah. I just didn't want you to get into any trouble, that's all. Well, this is quite a layout. Captain Kidd, Nero... Look, Mr. Ken, look what we found. What? Here, look at Geronimo and Jesse James. We found where those pieces of wax came from, Smarty, and you were running all over town. Oh, very interesting. It's awful spooky, if you ask me. Are there pieces missing from all of them? That's right, matching the three you found. Oh, Say, what happened here? Huh? One statue is missing. Where? Here. This this pedestal is empty. What? Jeepers, I didn't see that before. Of course not. The statue was there before. Are you sure, Lois? Well, I'm positive. Whose statue is it, Mr. Kent? Why? I don't know. Isn't there a, a sign or, or a label? Oh, nothing. Oh, gosh. Then that means... That means one of the ghosts is loose in the city. <laughs> Eyes wide with horror, Jimmy stares at the empty pedestal, while Lois and Kent frown their worry and bewilderment. Whose statue is missing? We'll know more in just a moment, gang. So keep listening. Gang, not so long ago, the American National Theater Association, called ANTA for short, gave a giant benefit show in Madison Square Garden to raise funds for its organization. Broadway's greatest actors and actresses pitched in to help the show make a success. Actors like Raymond Massey, Judith Anderson, and Catherine Cornell took part. It was undeniably one of the greatest evenings the theater has ever known. Well, in the middle of the show, as one scene ended, a young man came on from the wings and started to sweep the stage clean of the dust and dirt that had gathered there. It was hard to make out just who he was, but he certainly looked familiar. As he busily swept the stage, a ripple of laughter ran through the audience. Well, soon they were roaring and heartily applauding the young man who was sweeping the stage, for they had recognized him as the famous actor John Garfield. Well, gang, that's an example of how truly top-notch theater people always act. When there's a job to be done, they pitch in and do it. And it doesn't matter how petty the job may be. That's why when Garfield saw the stage was dirty, he swept it. Simple. He knew, and all good show people know, that every job is important if you want your show to be a success. Everybody's got to do his share and maybe a little extra, too. Well, boys and girls, take a tip from show people. Don't ever shirk a job because it's not glamorous or seems to you to be unimportant. It is important. What's more, don't ever look down your nose at people who do these essential little jobs. Or you'll soon find out that the fellows who are the most respected in their fields know how to sweep the stage as well as how to win Academy Awards. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. It's the dinner hour in Metropolis. Hundreds of restaurants and cafeterias in the city are crowded with people. In one popular restaurant, an elderly couple are just finishing their dessert when suddenly the man trembles violently and drops his spoon. Oh, why, Henry! Henry, what is it? You're pale as a ghost. I don't know, Mother. I, I feel sick. Oh, my dear. Waiter! 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 
But then across the large dining room, another patron suddenly turns white. Clutching at his stomach, crumples over the table. The waiter, a tray piled high with dishes, stops in mid-stride, sways and keels over in a dead faint. The entire dining room becomes a scene of pandemonium. This is terrible. The whole restaurant full of people, and more than half of them are suddenly deathly ill. Well, you better get the commissioner of health on the job. Oh, I've already called him, but I don't think he'll find anything wrong with the restaurant. It's one of the best places in town. Has a spotless reputation. Well, then what in hell? Well, Henderson said that one of the cooks saw a woman in the kitchen just before six. A woman dressed in a strange costume. Great Scott, I wonder... Look, I'll call you later. Hey, what's the idea? Well, what are you up to now? I'm going to check on a wax statue. See you later. See now, the statues Lois and Jim found were in this room. Oh, yes, yes. There's Captain Kidd and Jesse James. And... Great Scott! Laying his flashlight around the room, Kent suddenly stops as the beam illuminates a pedestal that not three hours before had been empty. Now it holds the statue of a woman dressed in a billowing, full-skirted costume of the 15th century. And a small white placard at her feet identifies her as... Lucretia Borgia. Lucretia Borgia, the notorious Italian noblewoman of the 15th century who cold-bloodedly eliminated her enemies by poison. The Ghost Brigade has struck again. Gang, there's a thrill a minute in tomorrow's episode, so don't miss it. Be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 8 of The Ghost Brigade on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Watch for the Superman Adventure Serial, soon to be shown at your local movie theater. This program came from New York. Stay tuned to your mutual station for Captain Midnight, which follows in just a moment. And right after Captain Midnight, you will hear Tom Mix and his Ralston Straight Shooters. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.